Well, that's a very different view. I see why they do this now. I saw there's a bunch of words on the paper and Ted had a mouthful to say of the organization that there's a widening group of us work together, but I only came here this morning to share with you some of the things that we've been attempting to do. It's pretty simple, figuring out how to work together, or so it seems. And yet the name of the organization is such a mouthful that I usually just say INITC because an initiative, an international initiative, needs an explanation that we have to recognize we come from many nations, not just from one. And that within those nations actually are the first nations. I kind of like that. It's gaining ground in how we describe native people around the world that pre-exist those nations that now dominate the landscape and the manner by which we do things. So the title of, the, of your guide there says what it means to be a human being working together. And it means for me that we have a sense of what it means to genuinely look at social, cultural, and environmental equity because we don't live in an equitable world. And that's a hard thing to admit, a hard thing to look at. And so we call ourselves international so that we know we've included all our relatives. And we say it's just an initiative because there is no outcome in mind. It's just a way to try and get together. And we understand that when we do that, we're going to have to change. We're going to have to, in big ways and in little ways, how we listen, what our perspectives are. And when we do that, it's transformative. It helps us determine how would we like to see our world, especially for those little ones who were up here. So when I stand up here, I get really humble and I get to look at everyone else's notes. Oh, I didn't know they were going to say that. And I think to myself, you know, we had a vast experience and along with the elders that are with me and had really big roles at Chetty Shakoin camp and before that or in tribal council or those places where this is not new. It's just new for some to hear about. It's new to think about that Native American people in this area who are generous hosts these last couple of days have the same place to start from, to try and find a space that's more equitable in sharing our voices. You know, we're 5% of the global population, so it's not a really big voice. And the spaces that are made for that are often very small. So I appreciate being here. I wanted to share with you that I've been to a number of um, UU churches, and I always like to rib you guys and ask you if this is a Universalist Unitarian or is this a Unitarian Universalist church? <laughs> it can be confusing. But along with my older brother, Ben, we got to travel to uh, DC and we had a chance to be at the All Souls Church there in DC. And we've been to a UU church, I've been in Philadelphia and in Bismarck, a very, very courageous church that was the only uh, faith keepers that came and kept a presence at Chetishakoin camp for the duration. So they came and stayed, which was not very popular for them because most of the other faiths in the area struggled. Some came, particularly those who were already friends of or, or uh, working with 
the people that live there, like um, uh, Father John Floberg and others. But it was a small number. It was my uh, fortune to help organize an interfaith day during that time. And a thousand clergy came from all over the country and some from around the world to come and stand in prayer for these ideas that we see expressed here today. So simple that we need our water, that it's a gift. It's one of those sacred gifts that gives life to all things, not just us. And in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits to try and figure out what that means sometimes is a little difficult to understand what our perspectives are, how we view each other, how we view ourselves in relationship with our, our environment and relationship with each other. But at the All Souls Church, I wanted to share, I started like this, I said, because I am humbled to be here. Hi, my name's Johnny, I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Is this not the 11 o'clock? Hey, hey. <laughs> it's a very big church, so some people laughed and some didn't. But after that service, lots of people came up to me and said, hi, I'm a friend of Bill's, I go to AA. <laughs> I said, yeah. It was just a way to introduce how we think versus what we think. How we identify ourselves in that relationship with each other, in that relationship with our environment. How do we do that? What are the things that we have that really are part of our core understanding of what it means to be a human being and how we identify those things? Even how we teach and how we learn. And I came, believe it or not, to share a short story with you. Because a while ago when I was younger, which isn't that long ago, I really wanted to be involved in all these things going on. To understand, where is my place? Who am I? Where do I belong? How do I find a voice? Where are my friends, my family, my relatives, my allies? How do I even know how to do that? Because I want to work, I want to do something. I got sober, I got excited, I really wanted to get involved. So I would go to Washington DC every year for an annual Native American gathering. But First Nations people, indigenous people came from all around the world to this gathering to talk about our relationship with the environment. This is in the 80s and in the 90s. And so I went, I was younger, much younger then. I went and I made sure I wore a white t-shirt because everyone was wearing white t-shirts in those days. And I made sure I had my Marlboros rolled up in my sleeve because everybody who smoked did that. So I did it too. And I got there and I wandered around and I looked and I, I wound up uh, having the extraordinary opportunity to spend my time with who was then the Talo Daho, the chief of chiefs of the Six Nations. And it's just because he was sitting there and we got to visiting and he said, oh, you can help me these next days, five days we were there. I had no idea what that meant. When an older person would ask me for help, I thought it was open the car door or maybe pull out their chair. I had no sense that it would be the whole day, but I did that. And I know that he took note of my Marlboros in my sleeve, but he didn't say anything. And I went around that day with him, and as we were going around, some people would call out to him because he was a very, very well-known man, very well-known man, who planted the tree of peace all around the world. And so there I was sitting sometimes at a table, and I found myself at this table with these older grandmothers, and they looked at me, and they smiled, and they greeted me, and they gave me something to eat and something to drink. And it was only then when I looked up, I noticed that I was sitting at a table that had 
a bedsheet behind it, and on that bedsheet was painted a big tobacco plant. And I wasn't sure what it meant, but I knew that there was something. They had done this themselves. And so we visited for a while, as elders do, taking their time. And they said to me, you know, it's our first medicine, apart from the water. The tobacco came from us. You know that, right? And I said, yeah, I know that. They said, oh, okay. And you know that that medicine was taken from us and it went all around the world, but it got changed a little bit. And as it got changed, somehow the idea of money was attached to it, but we use it for prayer. And we use it for medicine, for healing in certain circumstances. And you know that it went all around and, gee, they came over here with big ships. My great-grandfather told me those stories. They loaded it up and they sent it out all over the world and now everybody wants it and we can't even afford it. And when we do, now it comes back to us in a way that is causing our own people to be sick. Isn't that sad, they said. By this time I had my head like this. Yes, yes, I said. They said, yeah. So to be in the circle of life means we have to look at the small things and know that there are relatives and they're a sacred trust. We have to think about what those things mean. And so, apart from hearing what they said as a young person, struggling to listen to it, and in a good way they told it to me, I struggled all that day walking around until I finally had the courage to take those Marlboros out of my sleeve and put them on the ground and realized I can't do that. They just told me I can't do that anymore. And so I thought, oh, I'll just figure out something else. And so I went back that evening and that day with, uh, with Taro Daho, and he never said anything. But I think he noticed that I didn't have those with me anymore. So then I left, and all that next year, I changed my habit. I stopped smoking cigarettes that were rolled. I bought only rolling tobacco, and even though I was younger, I toyed with the idea of just smoking a pipe. I thought it made me look like an old guy. Now I do it, and it does make me look like an old guy, but there you go. And I waited a whole year till I got back there. And after that year, I was so proud of myself for the changes I'd made. I was still a young guy, and I couldn't wait to see him because he had already sent me a message, I hope you're going to be there, I need your help. So I went that next year, and there he was, and he came out, and we stood around, and we sat, and he had a penchant for cigars, oddly, because he started in the 1920s and 1930s, and he liked those really long cigars, but he was such an older fella, nobody wanted him to have them. So they used to send him off from his reservation, checking all his bags and everything that he had so that he couldn't have one. And when we would get there, we would go get a room, and he would say to me, smoke now? And I would say, let me check. And I'd have to go out in the hall and make sure no one was trying to come and see him, and I'd have to put the sign out. Then I'd put a chair under the door so no one would break in. And then I would find the fan, you know how they put those in the hotels sometimes? And I would open the window and I'd put the fan on and I'd said, yeah, I think it's safe now. And he would somewhere, magically, that cigar would appear, the one that they missed. And he would so ceremonially take off that wrapper, light it up, and without saying anything, he would just start smoking it. And so I watched him and I had all this news I wanted to share with him that I'd quit smoking those ones since the grandmothers told me and I only buy the tobacco from native people now. That's what I use and I'm smoking a pipe mostly and all those things I wanted to, to tell him because I knew that it would be sort of like an expectation. But a year to the day since I had left, 
He turned to me and he said, why don't you quit? One year to the day, knowing that I'd been thinking of all that stuff, he was so far ahead of me, I could only go, And I tell you that story because a way of wisdom that came then showed me that I rush around and I try and understand and make sense of all this craziness like we have in the world today, like I see represented in the threat to our water all over the globe and certainly at Standing Rock, where basically a handful of people, yeah, maybe even 10,000, 15,000 people had to stand up faith keepers from around the world, Indian people from all over the country and around the world who knew we have to make a statement to wake up. This is a choice we have to make. And I realized in my younger days, I'd rush around trying to do all kinds of stuff, and now I'm older. Now I've been the last two years almost since leaving that camp, coming to various communities like yours saying we have an invitation. We know that we want to figure out what it means to be human beings together. And that we ask you, on this day, consider your understanding of your own humanity and your understanding of your relationship with your relatives. And that means all those things around us, the water, and as they name the elements, the fire, the air, the earth, the things that crawl, the things that swim, the things that fly, all the four-leggeds, these are the nations that Oren Lyons was alluding to in his speech to the UN. If we can't consider all of those things, then we can't consider what it means to be human beings together. So today I came with an invitation. There are other UU churches, and at your General Assembly, we've gone to your General Assembly, maybe some of you were there, and we asked again, find a space, come back. We have one now, we call it what it means to work together. And if your church will join us, then we'll make a space where we can come together and decide how we'd like to see this, this place for those little ones who are up here and for those children that are yet to come. And that's really all I came to share. Thank you.